Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio and NRB TV. Every single one of you, wherever you are listening, however you are listening, our podcasters, uh, which, by the way, you can subscribe to. Simply go to the Hamilton Corner. Anywhere you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button and bam. You're in the corner wherever your corner may be. I'm grateful to be back in studio after our time in southwest Georgia. We had a, a wonderful time with the family of God there. Two churches coming together, Antioch Baptist Church and Isabella Baptist Church uh, for uh, revival services. It's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together. Uh, but I'm grateful to be back in studio with you. I am, as I mentioned, Abraham Hamilton III, host of the program right across from me, my man, 100 grand, Mr. Bobby Rosa, and double for your trouble. We have Richie Rich and producer extraordinaire, often imitated, never duplicated, the real J. Mack, ladies and gentlemen, in studio, and we're ready to rock and roll with today's edition of the program. What happened? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> At this very moment, many of you, if not most of you, are making your transition from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs where you cultivate an outcome. And as you do so, I want to encourage you to do so with full intentionality, understanding the primacy that God places on the family and allowing his primacy to inform how you perceive and engage with your family. What goes on in your house, guys? What goes on in your house is far more important than what goes on in the White House. And I know for some of you, that, that's a jolting statement to make because you consider the outside significance of what happens <clears throat> at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, my statement is not meant to convey the notion that White House goings on are unimportant. But their significance does not trump the significance of what you do in your home. Namely, because by and large, you do not have the direct capacity to dictate nor shape what happens 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But you do have the wherewithal to dictate and to shape what happens in your home. And more, and more than that, it is what you have the direct capacity to dictate and to shape that will make up a significant component of that for which our Lord holds us accountable. So when you consider the primacy that God places on family, the first human institution that he establishes and ordains is the family. It's not the exclusive human institution. He establishes his church. He establishes civil government. But the first and the foundation of what all of those other institutions become is the family. And the central point or the fulcrum of the family is marriage. First command that God gives to mankind is given within the familial context. That is intentional. That is intentional. So it is our privilege and opportunity 
to understand what exactly God has done by establishing the family and what he is doing in your family and in my family and how he has ordained for it to be a primary vehicle through which gospel witness is cascaded generationally. It's not the only vehicle, but it is a primary vehicle for this propagation of the gospel generationally. To the word of God we go. And um, this is this is heavily on my heart today. And this is something that we're going to visit more and more. I, I sense a stirring from the Lord. Um, and by, by his grace, I plan to respond appropriately. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. This is a part of the conclusion of the longest recorded sermon of Jesus, of, of incarnate Christ, of the incarnate Christ, uh, beginning in chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, <clears throat> and culminating here, chapter 7. Jesus addressed some profound uh, things in his statement. Oh, yeah, and I, I plan to have my wife on more, you know, but she's got a lot going on. As she can fit me into her schedule, <laughs> we'll, we'll have Mrs. Hamilton join us on the program more frequently. Uh, but Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through uh, 29, as I mentioned, it's the culmination of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, as it's almost like a crescendo point um, of Jesus' sermon. He had addressed, uh, you know, worry, Matthew chapter 6. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, he talked about judging, the beginning of Matthew 7. Um, the narrow gates, the, the, the wide gates, knowing a tree by the fruit that it bears. These are all things that Jesus addresses prior to getting to what I'm going to read for us today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. And then immediately before the conclusion of chapter 7, Jesus talks about uh, a tree bearing fruit and literally says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. You will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Then he immediately begins his discourse in describing, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Many will say, I've done this in your name and, and I've done that in your name. But the Lord responds, depart from me. You workers of iniquity. I've never I never knew you. And it is after discussing all of these things, we get to what I'm going to read today. Matthew seven, chapter seven, verse twenty four. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. And remember, this is concluding. The Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them or who does them or puts them into practice may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them. Now, remember, he's talking about this Sermon on the Mount that he's just this <laughs> protracted preaching. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were astonished or were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Now, I continue to, to, to iterate and to reiterate the reality that Jesus says this as he concludes the Sermon on the Mount. And he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount by saying, now everyone who's heard everything that I have preached here, everything that I've been teaching you, oh Lord, help us, and puts them into practice, he then employs the literary device of a simile. That person who hears what I've said and puts it into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The constant in Jesus's word picture is that the rain is coming. The wind comes. The storm comes. It is inevitable and there's no escaping it. All right. That is the constant. In view of the coming storm, rain, shaking, the one who has heard what Jesus has said and puts it into practice and does it and obeys it is like the wise man who has constructed his home which is indicative of constructing his future, his stability, his confidence, his wherewithal, his well-being, has constructed it upon an unfading foundation. But the one who's heard these words and does not obey them is like the one who attempted to erect a structure but have done so on a faulty foundation. What Jesus is pointing to here is one building their confidence for a future, not merely on some mechanism to ensure safety and security in a temporal sense, but he's projecting the reality of obeying what he's instructed as being the means for which you can secure yourself for eternity, for eternal life. He is presenting himself as the rock upon which the hearers of his words must build their lives on. And he says, the one who does that is wise. But the one who, in view of the reality of the impending rain and floods and winds, but refuse to put into practice what Jesus has instructed, and is a foolish man. This, this build up to the crescendo conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, listeners, hearers, those who have heard what I have taught you, build your future, build your eternities on the rock. Now, why am I saying this with such importunity right now today? Have you looked outside lately? Does it look like some rains are starting to drop? Does it look like does it look like some floods are on the way? Does it look like there's some winds brewing? Of course, the answer to all of these should be obvious. Place your confidence for a future on the rock. If you are listening to me, especially if you are not yet a believer, and I know that there are unbelievers who listen to this program, if you are not yet a believer, look at what's happening in the world around us. Look at what's happening around us. 
It is high time to place your faith in something that provides confidence and security eternally. Jesus said it, and it's it's simple but not easy. (laughs) Jesus said, through the Apostle Paul, by his Spirit, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, not just confession, but a confession that reflects a reality of pisteuo, placing your confidence in Jesus eternally, you shall be saved. Brothers and sisters, the uncertainty of things swirling around us, I mean, you, we literally, and I'm going to get into this later, you, we, we literally have a family that has been selling out access and influence based on American national policy <laughs> to the highest bidder on the national stage, on the international stage. We, we literally have a, an occupant of the Oval Office who's really weakened at Bernie. He's not really running the country, but at the exact same time, he's stopping the capacity to drill for oil domestically while raiding the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in our own country. In our own country. We literally have witnessed <laughs> a man who's being prosecuted criminally for daring to have the audacity to say there is no way a person who didn't leave his basement for five months has been the most popular American presidential electoral candidate in the history of our nation. And yet he's being prosecuted criminally for having the audacity to say that publicly. We're living in a time, literally, people like Chloe Cole, who was persuaded as a girl, a young girl, to, to cut off her healthy breasts, all in the name of transgenderism. And now the social media companies are... are, are blackballing her communications because she said, you know what? I never was a boy. I'm a girl. And I listened to things as a little girl that will now prohibit me from being able to have functions that I should have as a woman. Yet they're blackballing her. What I'm saying, you look at the things that are happening all around us. They are clear indications that the rains, are, the rains have already started. The winds have already started. The floods have already started. If you hear what is available to you in Jesus Christ. And you put it into practice, you're like the wise man, building your house on the rock, placing your confidence in him eternally. But if you hear what Jesus makes available and yet refuse to heed his instruction, you'll be like the foolish man whose house is built faultily and great shall be the fall. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner, Abraham Hamilton III here. This weekend, September 22nd and 23rd, we'll be joining the New Life Church in Nashville, Arkansas, 913 South Main in Nashville, Arkansas. Our services begin at 7 p.m. both evenings. Uh, I will be joining them for their restoring Truth Conference. No registration is necessary, no fees or anything. You are welcome to come share with anybody who you would like to have join you if you're in the area or you're willing to come to the area. You are welcome to the Restoring Truth Conference. Then the week after that, September 28th, Thursday evening, I will be joining our friend, friend of the show, my brother Gene Mills, president of the Louisiana Family Forum, 
for their Silver Anniversary Gala, Louisiana Family Forum Silver Anniversary Gala at the Healing Place Church located at 19202 Highland Road. 19202 Highland Road. I will be there along with uh, Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. You do need to register for this, however. Simply go to lafamilyforum.org, lafamilyforum.org for this. All right. My traveling schedule is coming to a close. Putting putting the end sign on this. I don't need no more frequent flyer miles. I'm ready to stay in one place. (laughs) No, but I'm looking forward to being at both of these places. Um, Man, I was talking to to Gene last week about this. It's going to be an amazing time there. Don't worry. We'll have fresh programming available for you here all next week as well. I wonder how we do that, huh? (laughs) Got the way to find out. (laughs) All right. Foolishness du jour. Now, I I know what I'm about to share uh, now happened last week, but I want you to zoom out and connect a few of the dots. Um, And this is sad. Bobby and I was talking about this before the show began today. Uh, But what we said is just playing out. (laughs) It's playing out just as we said it. So uh, last Thursday, I believe it was, Hunter Biden was indicted on gun charges, right? Indicted on gun charges. <laughs> oh, this, this, this is, this is rich. This is rich. So the same person, this would be David Weiss, who oversaw the ridiculous plea agreement that were it not for an enterprising and open Judge Narika in Delaware, they would have went through with the plea deal that offered misdemeanors for just two years of um, <clears throat> refusing to pay federal income taxes and offering a pretrial diversion on a gun charge. Now, all of a sudden, the same guy, David Weiss, who previously said, I have all authority to bring any charges that I want, but then... He was appointed as special counsel. Well, why why the special counsel appointment if he already had all of the authority? Interesting, is it not? And one of the most remarkable things about all of this is that David Weiss is also the same person, I almost said gentleman, but that would be too kind of a description, um, who intentionally impeded federal Department of Justice investigations, slow-walked the IRS investigations that no one would have known anything about were it not for the whistleblowers, Mr. Gary Shapley and um, Mr. Ziegler, or Ziegler, um, who, by the way, Hunter Biden is now suing. Well, he's suing the IRS for saying, because they talked about me in public, private information that they weren't supposed to share publicly. <laughs> that, that's rich. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. What is left out of all of these indictments? The gun charge indictment. What is conspicuously absent there? The gun charge is literally the only criminal charge that could be 
made that completely prohibits any pursuit or connection to the big guy. <laughs> I like these guys. It is obvious what they're endeavoring to do. So you run out the clock on criminal charges, Farah charges, by the way, which are the exact same charges that people like Paul Manafort and others during the Trump administration were accused of, and I'll use Jonathan Turley's words here, with speed and alacrity. So it's not like they don't know what the charges could have been when FARA is an acronym for Foreign Agents Registration Act. But if they actually pursue, oh, I don't know, refusal to pay income taxes during the years where Mr. Joseph Robinette Biden was the vice president, that investigation would include things like, well, who was paying this money that you were failing to, to, to pay taxes on? It would also include questions like, well, if you are being prosecuted for failing to register as a foreign, register as a foreign agent, what nations are you operating as a foreign agent on behalf of? <laughs> what do those nations seek to gain? What do you seek to gain? And it's funny, people like Paul Manafort were literally prosecuted on the same facts. And so my, my point in sharing all of this is, and I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Well, no, it's not that I couldn't believe it. It was galling to see, you know, people like Jen Psaki, Circleback Saki, going on TV saying things like, oh, Mr. Mr. Biden, the president, is a broken man. He's just, he's, he's a broken man. He's a father in pain over the tortured soul that is his son. You know, I'm like, so, 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 circle back Saki, you're going to just act like there ain't nothing going on that could implicate Mr. Ice Cream Man. You know, I ain't talking about Master P either. Nothing, nothing having to do with Mr. Ice Cream Man himself. Oh, well, of course not. The issues are only the problems of the degenerate son. This is literally what I said was going to happen about two and a half years ago. Bobby, you remember this? What's the plan? The plan is <laughs> rope-a-dope the country. Nothing is going to, nothing much to do about nothing. Oh, laptop, government, Russian misinformation. Not true, not true, not true. All of a sudden, oh, it's true. And on the public stance will be the degeneracy is solely and exclusively the issue of Hunter Biden, but there is nothing going on that could point to the over the over office occupant but in order to do that you have to cover up things and hide things and you know slow walk investigations so that you will allow the statute of limitations to expire for financial crimes that occur while Mr. Ice Cream Man was still in the office as vice president and then you have your aides in the American Pravda to come out and publicly and talk about all oh, the degeneracy of, you know, having a son and being heartbroken over a son who's drug addictions. We all understand the addictions and then attempt to connect with the American people over the current opioid crisis while ignoring the fact that a lot of the, fent the opioids, which, by the way, fentanyl is an opi opioid, are the result of the policies that keep our southern border wide open. <laughs> Ignore that, too. And just focus on the person of the broken Biden, which in the last part of my prediction, and I'm telling you, it's still coming true. Behind the scenes, 
use what's going on with the sun as leverage, because I still stand by this. Mr. Ice Cream Man is not going to be the Democratic nominee for the presidency in 2024. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Lean on him behind the scenes. You're like, now you know we know whose cocaine that was in the White House. In the wait, <laughs> until you get through the Republican nomination process, they won't try to do it before then. And once the Republicans have nominated the president, I'm telling you now, you will see. All of a sudden, Mr. Ice Cream Man can't go, can't, can't do it anymore. And what's so sad about all of this is it once again reveals that these people have nothing but antipathy and animosity for the American people. They, many of them, I'm not saying every single person, but many of them don't care at all. And much of what I have said to you, many others have said some of these things. The only difference is that we, we've been saying it for quite some time. Listen to this clip from Jonathan Turley. All right, he's a constitutional law professor. And, and I want to remind you that Jonathan Turley is no, you know, conservative. He's not. A lot of people forget that. Alan Dershowitz, not a conservative at all. But even they, they are like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here has, it is beyond the pale. Listen to and watch clip number one. Go. You know, they were giving out FARA charges against Trump uh, officials uh, with with great speed and alacrity. You know, they hit Paul Manafort uh, very quickly with a charge based on many of the same facts. What the media is ignoring is that these uncharged crimes do have one common possible motive. When you don't declare yourself a foreign agent, when you don't declare income, when you create these questionable international transfers, all of them are can be uh, effectively succeed in hiding that trail, right? If you declare income, you got to say where the income came from. If you declare yourself a, a foreign agent, you have to explain what you're doing for foreign governments. And if you create this labyrinth of accounts to send money through different shell companies and through different banks, it makes it harder for people to see those transfers. All of that fits a unified theory of an influence peddling scheme that did involve potential criminal acts. And so I think it's rather obvious that the one outlier, the gun charge, is the only thing that has been charged. Now, that may, that we may see charges down the road, but these charges were established, in my view, years ago. They could have made these charges years ago. Years ago. <laughs> Stevie Wonder could see that. And, and I'm sharing this because in order for these things to carry the day as many regressives hope that they do, is they need to pull the wool over the American people's eyes. You know? They have lots of people who will stand up now and say things like, um, well, it's a pursuit of justice. Mm, really? Really? And it's, it's amazing that the gun charges were announced about, what, two days after the, the House of Representatives and the GOP announced uh, the impeachment inquiry into Mr. Joseph Robinette Biden. So they're going to try to play some legal games, and this is a charge, and all this kind of stuff, but it's, it's patently obvious what's going on here. It's patently obvious. 
And what I want you to see is that this is this is the latest iteration, the latest salvo, if you will, in providing national media cover-up that allows for the advance of a regressive, and yes, I am going to say it, Marxist agenda <clears throat> behind the scenes because the agenda is always what must be advanced. Now, remember, some of you may recall, but years ago when former President Obama was still in office and he was asked about his third term and he said, if I could work it out to where I could be in the basement, you know, with an earpiece in my ear, somebody else is a front man, but I'm able to call the shots from behind the scenes, I'd love to do that. Do y'all remember this? I have this clip in my office. I should have gave it to, to J-Mac. I'm going to bring this for, for tomorrow. Do y'all remember this clip? And so now it's coming out. It's come out before. And I'm sharing this not for the, you know, the, the paparazzi effect of what, what I'm about to share. But for the reality of <laughs> very often things that are happening are not what they seem to be. Now, many people, <laughs> long before then-Senator Barack Obama made, came to the national scene, they were surprised that this guy was, was, was getting so much national acclaim. They was like, man, this dude, he likes men. And I remember long ago, he, he, he filled out a form, um, a, a, a candidate questionnaire, where he supported same-sex marriage as a state senator in, in, in Illinois. Yet when he ran for the presidency, all of the media were talking about, oh, he's a Christian and he opposed the same-sex marriage. And he said that. I was like, what? And nobody's going to try to vet this? And so now we find, now we find, oh, snap, man, this dude had, a, had an ex-girlfriend that he wrote letters to where he fantasized. He said daily about intimate relations with other men. Which led Tucker Carlson to dredge up Larry Sinclair, the man who claimed he and Barack Obama were involved in smoking crack and getting it on. Clip number four. Go. You're just a guy who's in town for the night, and it sounds like you're looking to party. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside, and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I had given Barack $250 to pay for Coke. I start putting a line on a CD tray to snort, and next thing I know, he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going, and it went the direction I had intended it to go. Even though you had sex with him twice, you did Coke with him, watched him smoke crack twice. You had no idea who he was. I had no idea who he was. Let me just ask the obvious question. What was Obama like on crack? Um, is, is it your sense that that's who Obama is, just transactional, or that he's bisexual, or like, what is this? It definitely wasn't Barack's first time, and I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as long. The guy's running for president, and credible information comes out that he's smoking crack and having sex with dudes. That seems like a story. Well, it would be a story if the media really cared about telling people the truth. Now, I'm sharing this with you, not for the salacious paparazzi effect. But if this information was available, then why didn't anybody investigate it? very same reasons that Hunter Biden has all of a sudden now been indicted on a gun charge.
Hamilton Quarter podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III here. Now, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not sharing this information for, for the salacious, you know, tabloid fodder that this seems to be. You know, but when you consider the Larry, Larry Sinclair allegations he put in the book, you know, one of the major things he represented was that, um, <clears throat> what was the guy's name? Uh, Donald Young. Yes, Donald Young, the former director of the choir at Jeremiah's Rights Church in Chicago. Donald Young was supposedly the one who knew about Barack Hussein and Larry Sinclair's tryst. And all of a sudden, Donald Young is dead. Now, again, not the tap. Oh, yes. You didn't know that. Oh, yes. Yeah, all of a sudden, pretty close to the release of Larry Sinclair's book, Donald Young is found dead in his apartment. But leaving that aside for the moment, <laughs> you have the reality of all of this. And, and I shared the articles with you when they tracked down Obama's love letters to his girlfriend. It's not like they were hiding. The, liter- the, the journalists literally pulled up the directory from Chicago University and start call- dialing numbers in this university directory and found the girlfriend. And she answered the door and said, I knew someone would find me one day. Yet we have all of these major media outlets who, who do all of these vetting of, of potential presidential candidates, but they say nothing about this. <laughs> and then you literally have a man, Barack Hussein Obama, who writes a book that's purported to be biographical, but everybody who knows them knows that this is a flat out lie. This is nothing but this is a curation. A curation of a persona that is not real. He is literally putting a character on display. And the nation ate it up. The reason why I'm bringing this up is why would such lengths be gone to in order to create cover for this persona? The exact same reason Mr. Ice Cream Man is somehow completely detached from any prosecutions of Hunter Biden. There is no influence peddling without the big guy. So if you will have the media to be complicit in this cover-up and subsequent cover-ups, the questions that need to be asked is why? Why? Why is this happening? Why over and over? Why? You know? Why is the media in agreement with all of this? Because, guys, there is a concerted effort. And I know people get nervous and they say things like conspiracy theories and things of that nature. But we literally are witnessing. You go back and look at the planks of the, of, of the, the, the Communist Manifesto. You go back and look at the objectives. We have documents from the 60s to where stated plans to, in, to infiltrate and to turn America into something other than what she is currently. Barack said it himself, fundamental transformation of the United States of America, transformed from what into what? Nobody asked that question. They allow it to, to, to linger out there like a dangling participle, like a dangling participle. 
because there is a concerted effort, which is why I started the program the way that I did. If we understand what's going on, we have more clarity as to how we are to take our stances. But for far too long, many of us have been, you know, enticed and seduced into the anti-American position to where government is the beginning and ending of all things that we find to be necessary to do and to to invest in. That is an anti-American position, which is why I've been saying repeatedly, 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 live locally. What we need is, first and foremost, a regenerate, God-based group of people who are willing to live in and build community that will enable the reality of our, and this is just to talk about the structure, the constitutional Republican form of government that we have, whereas that we have separate, separate sovereigns, if you will, to where our local communities serve as robust, thriving means to hold at bay the national degradation. The national degradation. If this is such an open secret that they know it was a lie, why would they continue to pass a lie? If the American people knew that Barack Hussein Obama had, I'll just say it this way, alternative sexual lifestyles, do you think he becomes president in 2008? That's a very simple and basic question. Do you think he becomes president in 2008? If Barack Obama does not become president in 2008, do you think, and, and, and this is how the Agenda 20, 2050 crowd articulated this from the United Nations, that the Barack Hussein presidency allowed for their Agenda 2050 to be expedited at least three decades to at least be Agenda 2030. And if you don't have a Barack Obama presidency, do you have a Joseph Robinette Biden vice presidency that allows the office to be sold, the access to be sold, the influence to be peddled? And do you have then a third term of the Obama presidency when in, in politics the, the notion goes that personnel is policy? Everywhere you look, every person in position under Mr. Ice Cream Man are people who are operating in the Obama administration at every point. So when you, I mean, literally, Manchurian Candidate was a movie. How many people thought, man, we, like, for reals, we got to do the world, the, 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 the American prop that presented him to us as his wholesome family man, while at the exact same time, this dude was writing love letters fantasizing about getting it on with dudes. And they know these, these things, and they go along with it. Go along with it. It helps you to see <laughs> the uh, sinking sand, if you will, the unstable foundation that placing your confidence anywhere other than Christ is an exercise in foolery. As the scripture says, the wise man builds his house upon a rock. The wise man who hears Jesus' teachings and obeys him, puts them into practice, is the wise man who builds his house on a rock. The foolish man hears all of what Jesus has to say. Nevertheless, refuses to obey him, refuses to put his word into practice, refuses to place your confidence in him, 
It looks for every other alternative. I'm not saying these other things are not important. Y'all know that I, I talk about these things. I talk about the things going on in, in government. I talk about financial policy. I talk about <clears throat> the creature from Jekyll Island, the financial reserve, the, the, the tragedy and travesty, and frankly, the, the, the attack that was lobbied against the, that was launched against the American people in the form of fiat currency. Talk about all of those things. Those things are vitally important, but none of them are more important than this. None of them are more important than this. We, 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 we literally have a dude for the first time in American history. Can you ever think of another former American president who, after he finishes his time of office, he decides, you know what? I'm just going to buy a mansion about five miles down the street from the White House. And I'm going to set up a whole outfit there. That it's an open secret that black SUVs go back and forth from this place. People show up there with, social, with, with, with Secret Service protection, in and out, all of the reporters in Washington, D.C., and ain't nobody's running a tally who is going to and from Barack Obama's mansion down the street from the White House. Nobody. Nobody. And we all understood that one of the main reasons why, one of the things we cherish in the United States of America is the peaceful transfer of power. And how subsequent presidents don't want to be viewed as looking over the shoulder of future presidents. Isn't that what we all were told for the longest? Yet this dude gets a, 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 a mansion in Colorado. He right down the block. And conveniently, now one story. Huh. And he's already said out loud on TV, if I could work it out to where I could be at home in my basement with an earpiece in. And there's a guy. Or there's someone else who's the front person and I can give instructions without having to be the first person. I'd love that. Literally said that. Yeah, nobody's curious about it at all. Not at all. It's high time to place your faith, your confidence in the rock. It's high time to place your confidence in the rock. And not only to try to hunker down for what's to come in the great by and by. But because the reality is, the reality is that, you know, you hear the phrase, so heavenly, so eternally minded, you have no earthly good. That's, that's such a misnomer. It's such a misnomer. If you are truly eternally minded, it will make you maximally, maximally earthly, uh, good for earthly engagement. Because you understand, and uh, one, of my, one of my sisters in our local church says this, that as Christ followers, that we don't contend for victory, we contend from victory. We contend from victory. It is because we know what the end of the book says that we engage. It is because we are confident in what is to come that informs what we do in the here and now. It is because of our confidence and our wherewithal and our, our, our awareness of what is to come that it informs and it elevates what we do in the here and now. That's why. That's why. For too long, too many of us have engaged, been engaged solely in the civic sphere, but we've kind of taken our hands off of the reins of shaping the hearts and minds of the American populace. Because if we were honest, we made idols out of the civic sphere. And we become generationally ignorant in many instances. That's left many people to really have a small, a minimized view of what the utilization 
of the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, how they actually have impact. But we forget, we forget that the flint, the flint that spurred Western civilization is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that proponents of Western civilization were all angels, not in the least bit. But the very idea of individual liberty is, a, is an outflow of the anthropological instruction and the theological instruction about man being made in the image of God. Here's a not-so-secret secret. Human beings prior to Western civilization and civilizations prior were barbarous. The Greeks, <laughs> the Romans, the Persians, the Mayas, the Aztecs, the Incas, civilization, mankind, prior to Western civilization, were barbarous nearly unanimously. Their concepts of morality did not embrace or support the notion of the Imago Dei. The flint that set the flame for what became Western civilization was a sovereign, providential allowance of mankind to become confronted with the reality of the Imago Dei. It is because people are made in the image of God that this notion called individual rights began to ascend. It is because of a discovery of the fact that God is the one who made man. And because God made man, God is the one who endows man with certain liberties. That government doesn't have the wherewithal to give them nor to take them away. All of these things are downstream, downstream from the revelation that God allowed us to discover as human beings concerning the Imago Dei. And what has transpired by and large is that man has become so infatuated with the things that are downstream from the revelation of man's creation and his being made in the image of God to where we can no longer see God. It's almost like Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah proclaims, I saw the Lord. And I've explained before that some uh, commentators opine that many of the Israelites couldn't see Yahweh because Uzziah was such a transcendent and such a prominent monarch. And many of us even have become so infatuated that we're thinking about the founding fathers, but we don't think about what led the founding fathers to discover why they objected to absolute democracy. And things of that nature. So what, what needs to happen, what needs to happen <laughs> is for a reacclimation and a recalibration of ourselves according to the source of what has led man <laughs> to understand individual liberty is worthwhile. And that is the rock. The rain has already started, brothers and sisters. The flood have already started. The scripture describes a lot of this as birth pains. The winds have already started. The wise among us will build our houses upon the rock. Hearing what Jesus has said and obeying him, putting it into practice, placing our confidence ultimately in him and that informing what we do. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.